Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Today we start week three of a series we've titled Little Foxes. If you're new or maybe you missed one of the last two Sundays, I really want to encourage you, uh, go to our podcast. You can go on Spotify, Destiny Church, and you can listen to those two messages. I believe those messages will edify your spirit. They will encourage you. They will challenge you. And uh, they'll also get you caught up. So when you come back next week, you're all the way caught up. Our key scripture that we've used to build the entirety of this series around is from Song of Solomon. And it says this, Song of Solomon, uh, chapter two, verse 15. It says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. As we've discussed in weeks past, we know the author here is using imagery. They're using symbolism. The little foxes represent the little sins that might exist in our lives and the vineyards of love represent our relationship not only with Jesus, but our relationship with others. And in the same way, uh, little foxes physically, literally, foxes wreak havoc in vineyards by gnawing on the vines to obtain out of reach fruit and they burrow in the root system. They create their dens. So they disrupt uh, the blossoming of the plant. In the same way little foxes do that, little sins will wreak havoc in our relationships if left undealt with. James writes it like this. He says this in uh, chapter one, verse 14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. The intention of sin is to separate us from God. Sin is always trying to drag us away. It's always trying to create distance in our relationship with Jesus, in our relationship with others. We read in Matthew 22, what does Jesus care about most? Which law is most important to love God and to love people? Sin's intention is always gonna be the opposite of what the Spirit's trying to do. So if God wants us close and he wants proximity, then we know that our enemy who is in direct opposition is gonna try and separate. We talked week one, he starts subtle, but has intentions to make us a slave, right? Anyways, James, James says it like this. I got distracted there. It says, but, but, but temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. When what? When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I just want to remind y'all that we're, we're going to fall short. The scriptures tell us that right? This, this process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus, it is a process and we're growing and we're maturing. Um, but sin at different times will manifest. There will be times where we fall into sin, but there is a difference between, uh, stumbling into sin and stumbling in sin versus being mastered by it. And James says, don't allow it to grow. And I just wonder how many of us have identified or, or maybe we've had a wrestle or there's been sin that's existed in our life. Well, we all fall short of the glory of God. Paul had his thorn. You know how it goes. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to let it grow. There's some intentionality. There's some tenacity here. Like, oh, I just, I just struggle with this. Well, have you set up accountability? Well, have, have you set blockers on your browser of where you can go and where you can't go? Is your wife allowed to look through your phone? Like, you know, so don't, don't tell me, oh, that's just my thorn in the side, but we haven't made any intention to put the sin to death. 
There's a call for that. We, we can create an atmosphere in our life where sin is allowed to grow. And with these little foxes, this whole series is about addressing different little foxes where if we allow these things to grow, they're gonna hinder our relationship with Jesus, our intimacy with Jesus and our relationship with others. This is what it's about, not allowing our sin to grow. It's not so much a call to perfection as much as it is a call to protection. Amen? So, um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's important. I don't want you all to leave here saying, man, I got to do, I got, I got to do better. I got to be better. So Jesus will love me more. This series is actually about us loving him more, him not loving us more, right? It's about you loving him more, growing in your spiritual maturity and fervor. It's this series is about submitting to the spirit of God, growing in our obedience to what he's called us to, because we trust where he's leading us. That's what this is about. So key scripture for today will lead us into our our little fox for this morning. It's found in Ephesians 4, verse 30. Paul writes this, he says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. That'll preach right there, huh? Golly. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Could it be that there's a difference between God loving us and God being pleased with us? Different message for a different day. Um, But verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness. Everyone say bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. One more time, everyone say bitterness. Little fox identified. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We just uh, invite your spirit to till the soil of our heart right now. Let it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word. We pray that we would be transformed in this moment, that you would allow healing and restoration to take place in our vineyards of love. Uh, use this word to transform us into a company of kingdom people. We don't want to just hear it. We want to live it out. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of us are familiar with Paul in the New Testament. He's called to be an apostle by Jesus, maybe the most effective missionary we've ever seen uh, outside of Jesus, maybe one of the most effective ministries we've ever seen outside of Jesus. And he was vital in laying the foundation of the New Testament church, and he was vital in the expansion of the New Testament church. And so we see in the book of Acts, in Acts 19 and a little bit of Acts 20, Paul walks into this city called Ephesus and and it's not long. It's kind of like he's just traveling through the towns and he walks into Ephesus sort of nonchalantly. And then what happens from that point on is anything but nonchalant. Paul starts talking with believers and he prays for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes into synagogues and he preaches the gospel. He teaches about Jesus. He challenges Jews in their beliefs, but uses the scriptures to point them to Christ because we know the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and he's revealing it to them. Uh, He's actually, uh, one of the things that happens, I think in Acts 19 is uh, the whole city, you know, 
Ephesus is an epicenter of Greek religion and Roman religion. So there's mysticism and mythology and people bring uh, their cantation books, their spell books to the city. It says these books were worth millions of dollars and they burn them at the city square because revival's breaking out all through his obedience. This is happening through the ministry of Paul. It's unbelievable. And what starts as kind of a nonchalant stroll into a city uh, ends up becoming home to Paul for the next three years. Powerful, effective ministry. He appoints elders and church leaders and uh, the gospel just breaks out in the city in an unbelievable way. And so after three years, Paul feels prompted by the Holy Spirit, uh, feels compelled, impressed by the Holy Spirit. It's time for me to go. And so in chapter 20, there's kind of this emotional scene where Paul's with the elders and they all kneel together. And the, and the scriptures tell us that they cry together and they pray together. And then he takes off and they know that they'd probably never see him again. And so you can just tell that Paul loved the people of Ephesus and the people of Ephesus loved Paul. And there were these deep bonds. And and then so years later, Paul's in a prison cell just from, you know, we, we know that Paul's life was full of controversy from what he was doing. And Paul's in a prison cell. He's writing letters to churches that he's helped start. And one of those churches, one of the letters he's writing, we know it as Ephesians today. And so years later, he writes to the people that he's loved so much, that he spent three years with, that he loved. And there's really two halves to the book of Ephesians two purposes. While he's in prison, he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to strengthen and to encourage the believers in Ephesus. Um, but we've seen just based from the context of what he writes, there's an infiltration of new, of new doctrine that perverts the purity of the gospel message. And so even in its design and in its structure, he's definitely trying to accomplish two things. And I would say those two things are God's story his story and how our story fits into his story. It's about understanding, receiving, uh, growing in our knowledge of the gospel, but then it's about being empowered by the spirit of God to actually live it out. That it's not just good news for us to hear, but it's a force that changes every aspect of our life. Amen? So I, I felt like uh, this, this passage from Ephesians chapter one kind of sums up the entirety of the book. It's really good. It says this, verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. He wants them to grow in their knowledge, right? And, and, and I pray that your hearts will be flooded with the light so that you can understand. Everyone say understand. So we see knowledge, un understanding, we know uh, behavior always starts as belief first. We saw that in James. So he's, it's about getting our belief right. He's like, I'm praying that you increase in knowledge and you increase in understanding the confident hope he has given to those he's called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Paul's like, I'm praying that you understand God better, that you, that you grow in your understanding of his plan for saving humanity, the gospel. But then he goes on to say, I also, pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's 
power. Everyone say power. Not knowledge, not understanding, power, right? This is different. I hope you understand God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. There's God's story, then there's our story and how we fit into it. Living out this good news. What, what is faith in Jesus actually? Not only what does it mean, but how, how does it apply? And so at this point in Paul's letter, so Ephesians 1 through 3 is really clarifying the gospel message and God's intention for saving humanity. And then 4, 5, and 6 is basically like, here's how we live it out practically. Here's what it looks like to follow Jesus well. So this, this verse and, and our verse that's going to really carry us through the rest of the morning is found in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. It says this, y'all with me? Throwing a lot at you. You catching it? Just making sure. All right. Ephesians 4, with the Lord's authority, I say this. He's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is truth. This is revelation right from the heart of God. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. If you're in church and you don't know what a Gentile is, make it really simple. It's, uh, you're a part of a religion that's anything other than knowing and following Jesus, Okay. Oh, these pagan religions, not a, not a believer. A Gentile is a non-believer. So live no longer as the Gentiles do for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts. Again, you just see, I just wanna to continue to emphasize that, that before we ever see any change in behavior, it, there's something taking place in the mind. You'll, you'll continuously, continuously see that as we see in this. And that's why the, the scripture is so important because it's new thought that renews our mind. It transforms our mind, okay? So <clears throat> where was I? Okay, ver, uh, chapter four, here we go. So uh, uh, they have no sense of shame. They, they, because their minds are dark, they live for their lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity because they don't know Jesus because they're not responding to the gospel with their lives because they don't have the power of God at work on the inside of them. So they just give way to their darkness. He goes, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. So he starts, he starts talking to them as believers. Since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature for your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. But you see those fighting words, throw it off. Don't allow it to grow. Don't allow your sin to just exist and, and hide it from everybody and pretend that it's not there. We gotta, we gotta fight. We gotta throw it off. This is violent language. Throw it off. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts. There it is again. Renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. He empowers us to live separated from our sin, no longer uh, dominated by our sin, slave to our sin. He sets us free and gives the power to walk away from it in freedom. But we have to believe it. I feel like part of the reason I struggled with purity for so long is because I don't think I actually believed purity was possible. That's another message in the coming weeks. So stop telling lies. 
Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Why? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those that hear them. This is really practical stuff. Here's what it looks like to follow Jesus, right? Uh, you know, some people, they, 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 uh, uh, there's this negative connotation towards being a Christian that we're judgy and we're cruel and we're mean, but we see following Jesus. He's like, hey, we actually speak like life over each other and we're supposed to be encouraging. And Verse 30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all, everyone say it together, bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When I was reading through the book of Hebrews this week, Hebrews writer uh, lays it out like this. Don't let a root of bitterness grow. And I just wonder if part of the reason that Paul writes, get rid of these things. And the first things that he lists in that list is bitterness is because bitterness is a root that produces lasting fruit of anger, harsh words, and other evil behavior. Bitterness is the root. We, we've talked about this in, in the weeks past, but we know that life is gonna mark us. Life is gonna wound us. Life is, 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 we are gonna walk through some negative things. It's gonna happen, Jesus told us. We know that's gonna happen because the devil doesn't discriminate. So this week, I was just thinking on that thought. I was thinking about bitterness and he says, you know, if, if we hang on to our anger, if we hang on to our bitterness, it uh, gives a devil a foothold in our life. So I just felt like the most practical way I could look at statistics and information to see how this truth plays out. I, I, I read this article and it said this, adverse childhood experiences. This is the title of the article. Adverse childhood experiences and adult criminality. So what I wanted to look at is people who have been through negative situations and circumstances and have been wound, how does that increase what life will look like later on down the road? Okay, that's what, that's what I wanted to address. This, is, this article's from the National Library of Medicine. And so it, it said this, they did this massive study on, on uh, I can't remember the specific number of subjects, but there was lots of subjects and I took this right from the article. Subjects were then asked to identify their history of involvement with five different kinds of violence. So the people who took this test had been uh, exposed, or at least they were supposed to mark if they had been exposed to one of these five kinds of violence, delinquency, bullying, physical fighting, dating violence, weapon carrying on school grounds. And for each negative event identified, there was an increased risk of violence in male subjects from 35% to 144%. For example, this is still from the article, 
boys were 45 times more likely to have engaged in dating violence defined by threats or physical or sexual abuse of a romantic partner as adolescents when they had been molested by a family member in childhood and 26 more times likely to do so when they had been sexually abused by a non-family member. Now, I know these examples are loud and maybe they even seem exaggerated in our minds, but, but I think this article, I, I think although the information's loud, it proves true. It brings to light that if people hurt me, if people mistreat me, if people reject me, if people betray me, if people abandon me, if people wound me, then I'm gonna hurt people. Then I'm gonna mistreat people then I'm gonna reject people, then I'm gonna wound people. And so often we allow evil seeds to plant, to grow bitter roots in our hearts, in our bitter, and our bitterness produces this poisonous fruits that just contributes to the enemy schemes. Bitterness. It's a little fox that'll wreak havoc in our vineyards of love. Uh, uh, it's holding on to what happened to me or what they did or what they said. And I allow it to fester. I thought about it this morning. Bitterness is like crusty anger. It's just been there so long. Bitterness. We all know what it's like to hold on to bitterness to grit our teeth and begin to imagine how we can pay back what has been done to us or how we can make others suffer what we've suffered so we can have that, that artificial satisfaction that we're not the only one who's had to experience it. Are you holding on to bitterness this morning? Because Paul says, you gotta get rid of it. You gotta lay it down. You ha to follow Jesus, part of following Jesus is ridding ourselves of bitterness. Even when you might feel justified to hang on to it. Even when what they did was really cruel. Even when the betrayal was real. Even though they did what was unimaginable to you. Even though it was a repeat offense. You have to get rid of it. Because it's not doing anything to them, but it's disrupting everything in you. Bitterness. In Ephesians, we learn that anger, that resentment, that bitterness lingering gives the devil a foothold in our life. And I don't know about you, but I know for myself, I don't want no devil having no foothold in me. Amplified version says it like this, and do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Depending on what translation you read, verse 27 may say, give, don't give the devil an opportunity or don't give the devil a foothold. And I just wanted to go right to the original text and say, what is that word? And what did that word mean? And it's tapas, topas, tapas, something like that, okay? How to pronounce it isn't as important as what it means, all right? So everyone shut up or I'll be bitter. I even wrote how to pronounce it in my notes and still messed it up, but, it, but it's this. This is, this is what that word means, tapas. It means an inhabited place, city, village, or district. Don't give the devil any inhabitation of your heart. It's saying if you hang on to your anger, if you hang on to your bitterness, 
you're, you're gonna allow them to take up residence in your heart. I said it like this. Bitterness is the Trojan horse which the devil comes into your heart with. It's how he sneaks in there. Starts subtle, and then it, and, and then it starts to grow roots. One, one of the best ways for the devil to inhabit your heart is to hold on to your bitterness, to your resentment, and to your anger. My oldest daughter is, um, I, I, I love her. I lost love for her a little bit watching her play soccer this weekend. Just, <laughs> man, that was bad. Why do they even let three-year-olds play soccer? You know why? Because there's that one three-year-old that can actually figure it out and ruins it for everybody. So whatever, just pray for me, all right? But you know, my oldest Jazzy, she loves to be the boss. I was talking with Abigail this week and Abigail was getting on to our middle daughter, Elena. And she's like, one, Elena, one, two, three. And Jazzy comes next to her and she's Elena, one, two, three, four. And she just counts to four. Maybe to one up mom, I don't know. Every time I play with Jazzy, it's dad, you be the baby, you be, I'll be the mommy. You be the baby, you be the mommy. Why? Because we love control. We love to be the boss. You know, that, that's what's the purity of little kids. You just see it. You just see it for what it is. But when we said yes to Jesus, we were simultaneously agreeing that I'm gonna remove myself from the master's seat. I'm gonna remove myself from being the boss and doing things how I see fit and doing things how I feel is best and being led by my uh, will. I'm gonna be led by you. I'm gonna live how you tell me to live. I'm gonna believe that your way is better. You're master of my life. So if you tell me that I need to get rid of my bitterness, even though everything in me wants to hold on to it, I got to lay it down because I'm not the boss. You are and what you say goes. We know that his commands are leading us into good. He's working all things together for our good. He can be trusted. He's a good father. He's a good friend. His commands can be trusted. I know it feels good to hang on to the bitterness and maybe it feels productive and maybe it feels like it gives us strength, but the word says, lay it down. We love to be in control. We love to try and stay on the throne. I think, I really believe that at its core, what bitterness causes us to do is take a seat that we were supposed to surrender. Romans says it like this, Romans 12, worship team, you can come. <clears throat> we could maybe even do none but Jesus after if you want. We forgot to have a meeting before service, so there it is. Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And I really think at the root of it, that's what our bitterness is. Oh, you were, you were, oh, you want to do that to me? Okay. Okay. Then I'm going to, I'm going to withhold who I am from you. I'm not, no, no, no. You don't get my affection. You don't get my, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's us, whether we realize it or not, it, it's this retaliation in us. No, no. And Roman says, I don't know why I can't find any other words other than eh, but 
Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But it's so hard. But it's the word. And Paul, that's why Paul's praying. God's given you power to live this thing out. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is my time to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, You will actually retaliate in a more powerful, effective way if you will love people instead of hate people. If you'll let me sit in that throne, I'll take care of you. I'll deal deal with everything that was done to you. I'll deal with it. This is what he's inviting us into. And come on, I would rather God deal with my enemies than me. He's a whole lot more powerful than me. That's kind of cruel. That's not the right heart, is it? But, but 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 he writes, Do not take revenge. It's a call to trust God that he's gonna work it all out for good. So why why are we hanging on to our bitterness? Like it's gonna do something for us. Like it's gonna be some sort of solution. It's not. It, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, here's your job. Here's what you need to do in the meantime. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. The reason we hold on to our bitterness is because we think it's productive. We believe if we hold on to our bitterness, I'm in control. If we stay bitter, we can't get hurt again. But, but it's a root that produces fruit that ends up poisoning ourselves and poisoning people we love the most. You have to lay your bitterness down. You have to lay the hurt down. You have to lay the resentment down. But Pastor Mark, you don't know what they did. You don't know how they hurt me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He didn't say that. Oh, well, they did this. So yeah, you can hang on to that bitterment. Lay it down. You don't have an excuse to hang on to it. If there's bitterness, if there's resentment, if there's anger, you have to let it go. You have to release it. I know life is evil and people are evil and bad things happen and I don't have all the answers, but I know that we're supposed to respond with surrendering how we want to feel. You can't carry it anymore. It's crippling you. Pastor Mark, I don't know how. You just got to give up control. You got to agree with the Spirit of God that it's time that you want to be obedient. You got to start loving again. You got you got to start speaking encouraging words again. You got to start saying I love you again. You gotta start being vulnerable again. You gotta start opening up again. You gotta start being generous again. No more protecting ourselves with our bitterness. No more carrying the hurt. No more carrying the pain. No more carrying the resentment. This is why Paul prayed. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power 
power for us who believe. God's gonna give you power to overcome. If you come into agreement with his spirit that you're not gonna carry it around anymore, he's gonna help you surrender those feelings, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment. He's gonna help swab your heart clean of it. You gotta come into agreement with him. Jesus doesn't just want us to experience freedom in eternity, but he wants to transform us right now. He wants to lead us into freedom right now. He wants to transform your heart and your mind. He wants to free you up to fully love and trust him. It's what we were created to do. But if we hold on to our bitterness, our relationships that he so deeply cares about will never thrive. We have to trust that as we obey what he's instructed us to do, that we will walk in blessing like we never have before. That we may see our vineyards of love start to blossom again. And maybe we'll discover, oh, that's, maybe that's why I was so lonely. Oh, maybe that's, that's why I had no significant relationships in my life. That's why nobody felt close to me because my bitterness was creating. It was a little fox that was wreaking havoc in my vineyards of love and it was creating separation. So here's what I wanna do. We can bring the lights down if, if we could just dim the room. Just, just where you're standing, if you're in here and you're like, I got some things I gotta lay down. I got some bitterness and resentment. Ain't nobody judging you in this room. I just want to take a second to pray over y'all that, that the spirit would start that work, that you would come into agreement. If that's you and you're like, I've been holding on to bitterness or resentment or anger and I got some things I know I need to lay down. If that's you, stand to your feet right now. So I know, so I can pray. Appreciate it. Come on, y'all can just start to play a little bit if you want. Come on, you're sitting there. Maybe it's, man, relationship with mom or relationship with dad or ex-husband or an ex-wife, or maybe you're still married or your kid, you, what, what, a way you've been feeling towards your kid or uh, church hurt or uh, your boss leadership, uh, job. There's, and it's like this festering and you think about it all the time and it manifests in your conversations all the time. Come on, would you close your heads? If you're, uh, uh, close your heads. If you're standing, would you close your eyes? Would you just put your hands out like this? And let's just tell God, God, I agree with you and with your spirit. And, and I receive the power you're gonna give me to get free from this bitterness, from this anger, from this resentment. Leave your hands out, leave your eyes closed. I wanna, I wanna pray over you. Jesus, you see these hands lifted. Jesus, you see these hearts. You know these needs, you know these situations, you know these circumstances. And you've commanded us to get rid of all our bitterness, all our anger, all of our resentment, so if you're gonna give us a command, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna give us power from your spirit to live it out because that's what your word says you'll do. So Father, right now, I just pray a flood of your mercy, a flood of your love, a flood of your compassion. God, if there's a root of bitterness, would you uproot these things from our heart right now? Do deep work in our heart, deep work in our minds. 
God, we trust you. We receive your power to get free. I know you want us free. I know you want us to feel and act and behave a certain way. Empower us to do so. Help forgiveness to rise up. Help joy to rise up. Help peace rise up. The need to defend ourselves, the need to retaliate, the need to protect ourselves. God, we lay it down and we believe that you're gonna protect us, that you're gonna defend us, that you're gonna bring us where you're calling us to be. Holy Spirit, give us power to get free. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. Man, I just wanna take a second to worship on the truth that was shared. And, and, and as you sat in your seats, you looked around and you saw people standing. And so as we go into this last song, let's, let's pray that those who are standing will continue to experience freedom. But also let's just praise God that he's willing and that he's able to help us and to carry us in, in, in such a way that our vineyards of love will blossom. Amen? All right, let's worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.